Tonight is our third week of boundaries, th- third of nine, three of nine, and uh, th- uh, tonight, well, one of the first weeks, I, I, after the end of our first week, I said, I don't have all the answers. Boundaries, the boundary, the guys that wrote boundaries, they don't have all the answers. Um, God certainly has all the answers, but we don't, have, we don't necessarily always know what those answers are. And they're not always easy to find. Um, but what I do want to do is, uh, like I said, is give you guys tools to be able to put boundaries in, in your life. Um, like, like the title of the whole thing is, is when, uh, how to say no. Man, that, that could be a real struggle sometimes to say, you know what, I, this is not in the best interest of my faith. This is not in the best interest of my family. Maybe this is, you know, not the best interest in, in whatever the case may be. Um, when to say yes. Sometimes we talked about it last week that we can, there's some people we get, we get to the point where we say no to everything and everybody that we, that we push everything away when, when we really need to say yes to the help uh, that, that, is, that God is trying to provide for us. Um, whether that be relationships, a job, um, whatever the case may be, there, there are situations where um, we can do the opposite. We don't say no, or, or we always say no, and we end up blocking out the yeses. And what happens is when, when we have this out of balance of uh, saying, saying, no to the wrong, saying, saying no to the things that we, sh- we should say no to and saying, not saying yes to the things we should say yes to, things can get out of control. And so the first two weeks, we just kind of defined what some of those things are and, and some of the personalities that uh, tend to uh, be the no's and the yeses. So tonight, uh, now that we've defined what boundaries is and the biblical, uh, the biblical definition of what I call boundaries is stewardship. Uh, taking care of the things that God has given us, being our bodies, being our, our homes, our families, our, you know, our, our, our situation. And so tonight, uh, we are going to talk about the first five laws of boundaries. They, they have uh, ten laws of boundaries, and we're going to talk about five things. So if you were to take your, um, you were to go on a hike, and uh, I, I used to go on hikes when I was, when I was uh, in high school. I wasn't, I, I hate heights. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not much of an outdoorsman, uh, but uh, I had a couple friends and my, my cousin who you know, was my best friend growing up, he loved to go hiking. So I said, you know what, he, this is something he loves to do, I, he's always asking me to do it, we're going to go on a hike. And I can remember the first hike that we went on, and it was going to be a, a, a four-night hike. I'm thinking. I thought that was a normal thing. Apparently, that's not. You know, that's that's kind of a, you know, going all in for your first hike. And he's like, "Yeah, it's not a problem. It's you know, just seven miles up and seven miles down." And and I'm thinking, "Oh, seven miles. Yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. We have you know, two days to do seven miles, two days back. But we're talking. You know, this is right outside. It's called Tuck and Robin Lakes. Tuck and Robin Lakes. And so, um, it, it's not your typical seven miles. There's a lot of what they call switchbacks where you just constantly, you're not really moving forward, you're just kind of going back and forth to make your way up, 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 the, up the hike. So before we even did the hike, we, uh, I go over to his house, and he gives me this pack 
that has this you know frame on it, this middle frame, and he lays out all these things on the floor, and you know he goes, all right. So what you need to do is you need to bring a couple shirts, not too many, maybe a, one pair of jeans. You're, it's going to be smelly. That's just the way it is. And I'm gonna, and then this is your food. And he's like taking out um, uh, just dehydrated food, granola bars that I typically would never eat, like really like uh, high in protein granola bars that don't taste. They taste like bark. Um, and uh, he takes out all these things, and then he takes out like, a, and this is for our luxury night, and it's like. Um, like rice aroni or something like that, you know, something you just can add water, mac and cheese, I think it was, and you know, something you can just add water to, and it's not, you know, usually you put milk and butter in it. No, he's like, no, we're just going to heat it up and throw the, you know, the packet in there, and that's a luxury. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that is no luxury to me. So, so we set all this stuff out, and he has a couple little special things like this water purifier thing because. You know, we're going to have to get water up there. And I'm thinking, I'm going to catch a parasite. Um, and he's got this, and he goes, okay, we're going to cook it on this um, little stove. And this thing is like, you know, the size of my hand, you know. And it's really light because he went to REI and bought all this cool stuff that I didn't think was that cool. But he, he did because uh, it was all really lightweight. You want everything really lightweight. And uh, I go, so, we're, you know, we don't pack a pillow because you're going to just use your clothes to sleep on. And. So we put everything in our packs, and this thing weighs, you know, you wouldn't think it would weigh very much. I put this thing on, and at this time, I'm like a buck 20, all right? I'm not very big guy. I'm skin and bones. Um, and I put this thing on, and this thing weighs about a third of me, you know, a little bit over a third of me. And I'm just, you know, wobbling all over the place and stuff. And, um, and so we end up uh, doing this hike, and it was awful. Uh, I had blisters on my, I, I didn't know you were supposed to have special boots. I just grabbed boots, you know, so, like he said, you know, you want to make sure you have good socks and, and boots. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I got boots, no problem. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Apparently, if you don't have a certain kind of boot, it just tears your foot apart. And my foot, I mean, I was like rolling down the hill to get back, you know, it was, it was bad. Um, and you could use like what they call wool skin. And you put the wool skin or whatever, moleskin, moleskin. I see, you must hike. <laughs> so you put the moleskin, you put the moleskin on your foot, and that is supposed to protect your foot and make it feel better. And it really wasn't working that much for me. So, um, you're supposed to do that before. It like, looks like a hammer or not a uh, Yeah, there's a lot of things I learned. We, we did that same hike uh, a year later, and I was prepared the next time. The first time... I didn't have a clue what I was doing or what I was getting myself into. The second time, I had, I, I had the right tools, the right equipment, the right shoes. Uh, I knew what to do with the, the moleskin. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I was prepared. And when we did it the second time, it, it was actually quite a, it, it was a little bit of fun. <laughs> uh, I, I, I still told them, you know what, I'm more of a drive to your view kind of guy. But, but this place was amazing. I have to admit, it's a pretty amazing hike. And well, I convinced you to go a second time. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I just felt like, boundaries. it was boundaries. I, I felt I could do it. You know, I was being stubborn. So just like with boundaries, we're going to talk about five things, five tools for you to be prepared for the next hike in your life. Every one of us has is, is been in a situation before where we had this big mountain to conquer and we didn't exactly know 
how many switchbacks there were. We didn't really know how long seven miles really was going to be. We didn't know how damaged our legs and our feet and everything was going to be. We didn't know what the outcomes were going to be. And we might have been a little ill-prepared. And when we were going up that, up that mountain in our life, we, we, we had a lot of things that happened, a lot of circumstances. We got the blisters. We got attacked by the mosquitoes. Whatever the case may be, we weren't prepared. And we learn, and, and, and we're supposed to learn from those things so that what happens is when, when uh, we, we enter into the next hike in life, that we have the tools to be able to put boundaries in place. We know what we need and how we, and how we are going to implement it in our life in order to protect us and protect the people we love. And so tonight, I want to uh, help put the right things in your guys' packs for your next hike in life. And so I'm going to give you five tools tonight. The first one is called the law of reaping and sowing. Uh, the Bible talks about this aspect of uh, we reap what we sow. Uh, and uh, what, what often ha- people misinterpret this a lot is they think that uh, they, they paint this picture of God, a God that is out to get them. That well, I'm bound to screw up and God's just waiting to point his finger at me and tell me and, and my life, you know, and just tell me that my life isn't right and that I'm just doing things wrong. And that is not what God has intended um, with reaping and sowing. But what God is trying to do, and we talked about it last week, how our, our, you know, this last Sunday about how God is our Father. And in the same way that uh, uh, God wants to warn us ahead of time what, what challenges are to come. And if you don't face those challenges in the right way, there are going to be some, some things that are going to happen, some consequences that you would rather not have happen to you. And that is uh, an aspect of reaping and sowing. And so, um, for example, uh, if, if for whatever, whatever mistake we, we make, there are going to be some things that we're just going to have what, we, what I call natural consequences. Karma, karma. Uh, you, you. So, for with with God, uh, he he is not. He doesn't give us this passage. He doesn't give us things in Scripture to 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 put guilt and shame into our lives. He puts these in here because he uh, loves and cares for us, and he wants to warn us ahead of time. So it's essentially God is trying to prepare us for those switchbacks, and he wants to tell us really how bad seven mile hike up a hill is going to really be. And so that is reaping and sowing. God uh, wants us to be prepared for what's to come. I had no idea that my mother-in-law was going to pass away from cancer. We had no idea. That just came out of the blue. And there were some things that came about that that we had to prepare ourselves for when that happened. We had to prepare about, for it in our family, and we had to prepare for it in our church. Uh, you guys, you know, many of you know my little daughter, London. She has a very rare disease, and, um, and, and sh- odds are, with her condition, she is not going to live past the age of 10. And so, we, uh, it's not because me and Jocelyn are living in sin, or we don't have enough faith, or, or for any spiritual reason like that. And, that, and we've had some, I know that we've had some people in our group that have been fed that in other churches, and I apologize for that. That, that, that has been fed to you before. There is no level of sin or something that has caused that. But what God is doing is He's preparing our hearts by uh, 
by continuing to cherish the moments that we have with our daughter and love our daughter and give her the best life possible and, and just take a day at a time, faith at a time, because we know that uh, that that may not be forever. So, uh, God might have other plans for her. Mm-hmm. Might have. I know there's a scripture that says the good and the bad fall in the just and the unjust. So it, there are things that happen that are unexpected. And some of those things are things that hurt real bad, deep. Yeah. And that's life. Sometimes the hard makes it special. There are things that are from reaping and sowing. Like when you speed, you get a ticket. That's just a, na- you know, like sometimes you get caught, but when you, do, you don't get caught or you do get caught, the time you do get caught, you're going to get a ticket. That's just a natural, that's your consequence, reaping and sowing. You did something, there's a, there is a you know, my mom no said. From that. No, there is a, you, you know, it's, for every action, there is a reaction, whether that's good or bad. There are things in our life that have absolutely nothing to do. London's disease is a genetic disease has nothing to do with that she drank that she smoked that I did that she did it doesn't have anything to do it was in her DNA that that's that that was what's you know that that is what happened in her life you mean you didn't shoot shoot a squirrel with a BB gun for no reason no so there are things that are from reaping and sowing and there's things that are out of our control that you did we have a sovereign God and he he knows better than we do I don't understand all the things that God has planned I don't understand why my mom passed away Lots of times I don't. At the same time, more people came to Christ because my mom passed away than when she was alive. And her testimony goes on because of that. So I don't understand that. I, but it wasn't reaping and sowing. My mom didn't do something wrong to get a cancer that she couldn't beat. And there, there's very much in church, very much a level that it's hard to explain or decide. Or, and that's the difference is we have to believe in a sovereign God period. You have to feel it. Too. But then there's also, we have to stand up for our own, which goes into the next law. We have to, you have to take, when you speed, you have to pay the ticket, period. Don't walk away from it. It's called responsibility. You did something wrong. Now you have to deal with that deal consequence. With so there is a difference. And so there's things that are uncontrollable that we have to trust God about. And then there's things that we have to be responsible and own up for our actions. And that's the second one, law of responsibility. A <laughs> <laughs> law of responsibility. Um, there are a couple things that we can be responsible for. We can be responsible for us, and we talked about being responsible for our emotion, our emotions. Uh, we, I think it was the second week we talked about people get angry. We get angry. Anger is not wrong, but it's when you let anger go from being angry about something to reacting out of that anger in a way that um, can hurt hurt ourselves or hurt other people. That, that is the aspect of what we can be responsible for. We can be responsible for how we react to the things uh, that are brought our way. Um, anger is one of them. Um, just uh, uh, we can be hurt by somebody. Uh, you, somebody could say something to you that hurts you. And we can, we can let those things uh, continue to fester and boil and just om- pretty much almost ruin your life at times. Because you're so consumed by how you've been wronged that you never come to a place where of forgiveness where you can move on into your life. And it hurts your and you end up hurting yourself. Yeah, you end up creating scars and damage. I think seeing the truth about oneself, I think the greatest a really good thing that happened to me once was someone told me about 
I know you mean the best, but you're coming on this way, and it's something I didn't see about myself. Realizing that we have blind spots sometimes about ourselves. So seeking, Lord, is this true? You know, we can pray about it. And uh, what is it? The rebuke from a friend is worth more than, or is better than something. Then uh, somebody gives you a kiss on the cheek, and, you know, it's basically... But to realize the truth that you do have an anger problem or that you do have a problem because we all have blind spots of, of things that we don't see about ourselves that when a, when a, a Christian brother or sister come to us and say, hey, I see this happening, a bit gentle, and pray, pray before you talk to the other person, Lord, give me your words to say. So that, because gentle words turn away anger. Uh, and seeking the truth and reality about ourselves, trying to see it and not being blind to, Lord, okay, is what this person says true? And if it is, help me to overcome and to grow and to get rid of this un or bad attitude or bad problem that I have. That I'm, it's just like a person doesn't realize you're snoring like until you go to uh, like a retreat <laughs> and here uh, a friend of mine invited me to um, Black Lake Full Gospel Businessmen's Meeting Retreat and here were all these men and I had got up to go to the bathroom all these men were sawing logs with a chainsaw and they're snoring in their sleep and I don't know how many people were aware and I know uh, I asked my friend was, was I snoring too and he said yeah because you it's a fir after the first three hours of sleep that that starts to happen. So unless you have a record, have a recording timing to come on and catch yourself, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was watching. I was watching a show on television. One of the speakers, and they were talking about you can't help the way you feel. You know, your feelings are your feelings. You can't help the way you feel, but you can change the way you think. And if you change the way you think, your feelings will follow. And that made sense to me. And, and, and with responsibility, um, when, it, when it comes to, when we're responsible for ourselves and our own actions and our own thoughts and our perspective, then, uh, then we are better equipped to be responsible for the ones we have to take care of. If, if we're not responsible for our own stuff, then it's hard to, um, to be able to take care of of other people, and That's I saying you got to take and, care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. And, and I, I know that uh, me with, um, you know, you know, a lot of us with with children that have raised children that have had children, when we're out of control, it, it, then then they 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 often are out of control as well. When we are yelling and screaming at our kids, and then we wonder why, man, why are the kids so loud? Why are they yelling and screaming? Why, you know. Um, because we, we aren't uh, being responsible for ourselves. Uh, the next one is the law of power. And uh, the law of power is, um, this one, you know, I, I could say this is a powerful one. <laughs> but it really is. Uh, the law of power is one where we have something that, we, that, that is out of control in our lives. And, and it's spiraling, spiraling out of control. And we, we can react in it in to sev several different ways. But one of the ways that is very common to how people react to something that they feel that they're powerless over is they try to suppress it. 
suppress the truth. It's like taking that, you know, that beach ball and you're trying to push it under the water and eventually that thing just explodes and pops out. When we feel like we're powerless over something in our lives, it's like that beach ball. And we're trying to deny that it's actually affecting us. Oh, it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, we try to justify it. Oh, no big deal. Man, I, oh, I can't do anything about it. It's just, I've done it for so many years. I don't know how to stop it. This is who I am. This is just what I've always been about. And we just constantly have, are feeding ourselves these lies. And we become powerless. But when, with boundaries... We want to be able to take control of our life by, by understanding that we do have power. That we do have power to overcome those things. And the way you do that is you first just have to just simply confess that, you know what, I do. I do have an issue. I do have something I need help with. I don't, I don't have this situation under control. And I want to defeat it. You have to come out and say, I want to defeat it. When you, when you come to that place of first just saying, I, I'm done with this, I need to defeat it, that's only the first step. Then you, then you want to come to a place where you, you're, you're seeking out help. And usually that help, uh, you need to find it from God. You need to pray to, for God. First and foremost, you need to pray to God for help. And you say, God, help me out. I need, I need a solution. I need some way, somehow, to, to be able to push past this, to have power over this situation. And, and come to a place where when we are asking God for help, that we're not coming out to asking God for help in a in a way, we need to ask for God for help in a, a repentant type way. And what I mean by repentant is not just, God, I'm a, I make tons of mistakes, I'm a screw up, sorry God, please forgive me. It needs to be God. Not, you know, forgive me. And He will. He forgives us. He forgives us. But God, help me turn away from this sin. Not just forgive me, but help me turn away from it. Because what happens is if we take one thing out, uh, of our lives for a, a period of time and we don't replace it with God, then that thing can get infested and it's, it's just like a scab. You know, if you don't put the right ointment and the right treatment on that thing, it's just going to come back worse the next time when we pick that scab off the next time and the next time. Same way. Yeah, I know that is, and it, and it does, and it, it's, that's a disgusting image, but in the same way, that's the same way that it works with power. And so what happens is as we uh, confess and we bring it before God and we, and, we, and we have a repentant heart, then God will give us, he, he will place other people in our lives. And other people that uh, will, will, will help you with resources, um, people that will actually, you know, that will care for you, that will love you and will help you along the way. And that's something that we need to pray for as well because it is so difficult to do things on your own and that's what the beauty of the church is. The church is supposed to be a place where we are able to link arms with other people and pull our resources together. And that's how the, the first church was designed, was a, was a group of people that pulled the resources together and say, come on, I'm going to help you find a job. Come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you find a place to live. Come on, I'm going to help you get some food. Even if you could do it all yourself, what a lonely way to live. And, you know? yes. and, and then what happens is as we gain that power and we gain... Uh, you, you start to gain a little more confidence. And, and that confidence is not confidence from yourself, but that's confidence that God is giving to you through His Spirit. And as your life is, is, is guided more by the power of His Spirit, then that's how you can overcome these issues, and then you can be set free from those things. Uh, one of the worst things is to feel powerless and feel like something has such a stranglehold and such a bondage on you that you can't, 
that, that you're suffocating and you can't ever push past that. That is a horrible feeling. Um, and that is something that if you ever do feel that way or if you do feel that way right now, that um, you, you, you want to, you, God wants to give you the power to, to, to push back, back and, and be able to push past that. He wants you to be able to set the proper boundary in place for you to be able to have control of your life. But in order to do that, you have to confess. You have to come to a place where you ask God for help, for forgiveness, for repentance. Not in a Catholic kind of way, but in a, in a way that's a relationship with God and where He'll put people around you and, and, and guide you through His Spirit to be able to actually defeat those things. Um, I think of the Scripture. We can be more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Like you say, it takes more guts to say, Lord, I need help. The world have you deceived, you know, oh, I can do it myself, and I can drink. It takes nothing to drink, nothing to sin. It takes no strength of character. It takes no discipline, no self-control. No anything to sin, really. But it takes a lot more guts to uh, admit, Lord, I've stumbled, I felt, I repent. Lord, help me. Help me and to see, and help me with your strength to overcome this and to be more than a conqueror rather than it conquering me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fourth law is the, the law of respect. And this one is uh, one that um, seems to be really fading with the generations, and I'll be honest about that, is the aspect of just... Um, just overall, the boundary of respect. Uh, when, you know, the, the scripture says, you know, uh, treat others how you want to be treated. Well, everybody wants a level of respect. They, they want people to um, notice that they're around. They, they don't want people to walk all over them. They want people to address them as a person. Um, they want people to see them as, value, uh, as a person of value. What can often happen, though, is we have this, this battle of respect sometimes that instead of actually listening to Scripture and treating others that way, we can become combative with our respect and we give nobody respect and we hope that it just comes back in return. That maybe if I'm so disrespectful to you and, and that, that maybe uh, you'll just respect me because I'm a tougher person or I'm smarter or I'm stronger I, you know, wear nicer clothing or whatever the case may be, what happens is instead of doing what the Bible says, we, we try to be compatible with respect and we just figure that respect is just going to be given to us. And that's just something that we deserve instead of actually treating people with respect. It, it, one of the things, you know, I, and, and, and I've noticed this, you know, in, in, the last, in my generation and the generation before me is that the youth aren't being raised uh, the majority of youth, I'm not saying everybody's children are disrespectful, but the majority of youth, you, you, I've worked in plenty of public schools now. Uh, I've worked in public schools, private schools, I've worked in all kinds of schools, doing after school programs, you know, for the last 10 years of my life. And I can't believe what some of these kids can say and do than even when I was in school, which wasn't that much longer than these kids. And what it's showing me is that the boundary of respect, the, the tool of respect, isn't being taught in the household. That, that uh, 
that it's not being taught in the household and maybe it's even being missed in the church. That when somebody walks in the church or walks in your house the first time, that we're hospitable to that person because that is a person and they have needs and they have wants and they, and they, are, and they are just like us and they are no better, no worse. They're, just, they're another person and they, just because they are another person and they're God's creation just like we're God's creation, they deserve respect because if you respect somebody, they're going to respect you back. And so as, as uh, the people that are, are guardians, um, parents, pastors, church leaders, whatever the business leaders, whatever the case may be, as they teach the younger generation respect, you, you can definitely tell that those, those kids, you know, they're going to... Uh, they're not going to have certain language about them. They're going to, uh, yes, it's not the day and age where you say, um, you know, yes, you know, Miss England, yes, ma'am. You, you, you don't see that as much anymore. But there still is a level of when you go to shake a kid's hand and the kid just like just blows you off, that's disrespectful. And that angers the older generation because they can't believe that a kid would just blow them off. I was just going to say a lack of respect can start a lot of confrontations. And uh, I, I know that uh, sometimes... Maybe that's why our youth is so violent. Because they're not respecting us or each other. And what happens is... Are themselves. Are themselves and, and a lot of it is because they're, they're, they don't even... You're right. They don't even respect themselves. They, 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 think, they grow this complex of, um, I'm not worthy. Uh, I don't deserve anything. And, and, and so what they do is they... Even within themselves, they build this combative mindset that I, I have to prove myself to everybody and everything, and because I'm so angry and I don't know how to do that, I'm going to destroy myself, I'm going to destroy others, and I'm going to destroy property. You hear a lot of the gang kids say they joined the gang because it was the only family they had. And uh, so, you know, so that, that level can, can build up. Now what happens is we even can have it, um, I'll talk about it in the terms of the church. Uh, you... Churches, the church, is, and especially Grace Places, is molded and created with many different backgrounds, upbringings, um, circumstances, all kinds of different things. We're crazy. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's 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 a uh, you know, uh, Pastor Danny loves to say, yeah, we're 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 a weird mix of people. You know, I'm a weird pastor. We're a weird mix of people. But you know, we we wouldn't have anyone. I tell people, if you ever want to get a taste of what Tacoma is, come to Grace Place. <laughs> um, and uh, but what happens is, it if we ever get the mindset of not treating other people how we want to be treated, then we can. Then what happens is when a, a new person walks in the store and it's the first time they ever showed up at this church and they don't feel a level of respect and and people. Um, actually, you know, treating people like how they want to be treated, then they're never coming back here again. And, and maybe even if it wasn't, it's not your first time, and you come, you know, for three years, and you, the day you walk in and you feel that's the case, then, then what it ends up being is it ends up becoming a church fashion show. And I mean not fashion and clothes, but it's your, your everybody comes in with a cer- certain demeanor, a certain smile, a certain smile, a certain way that they just interact, and then everybody is trying to put that facade on, um, and uh, then you you get you know people talking, and that is not what you want. Who's the best one in the church? <laughs> so, uh, 
So you, you know, so it's important that uh, in any kind of boundary that uh, the, that we have the the tool of respect that we treat others how we want to be treated. And um, the day that we start doing that, the day the younger generations will pick that up as well. That's just the truth. You, if you do that yourself, the younger generations will. If you know, if 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 you go to uh, say hi to Matthew and he's still learning because you know he's still. He's still seven, you know, seven years old. But if if my son doesn't say hi to you or doesn't acknowledge you or in any way fist pound, high five, handshake, he's getting in trouble <laughs> because I find that disrespectful in my home. And so, you know, it's important that we're not going to always get the res- we're not going to always treat people the best. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to slip up, and sometimes we're, so people are going to slip up to us. And there still comes a level of grace that needs to take place. Um, but even within that, it's important that we're constantly trying, at least attempting, to be people that, that respect other people, no matter who they are, what the circumstances is. So, um, we are on the last one, and this is one of my favorite ones, the law of motivation. And this is one that uh, I'm passionate about <laughs> as a pastor. Is motivation can be a very tricky thing sometimes. And I think of it in the situation, and I'm going to use the church as a situation. There are plenty of things that you can do in a church. Plenty of opportunities, things you can do, places you can serve. I'm a pastor. And I'll tell you that the day that my motivation is outside of Jesus is the day that I probably shouldn't be a pastor anymore. If my intent to, and my motivation to be a pastor is to um, be in front of a stage where I can say, hey, look at me. Don't I look cool? Uh, Don't I say really good things and make people feel really good and give them really good self-help tips? That's the day I probably shouldn't be a pastor. The day that I'm standing up there and I'm passing around the plate three times to to make sure that we... You know that I, that I have a really good padded salary is the day that I should probably stop being a pastor. The day that I volunteer in the food bank because I because I want to help people that don't have as much, and I have that mindset, and I ever and I don't even believe me I don't even say that because I'm just as much in need as the people that are walking that are in the pantry. But the day I have that mindset and I say, hey, look at me, I volunteered at the food bank, is a day I should not no longer help out at the food bank. Whenever something, our motivation is outside of Jesus, then our motivation is not a good motivation. I'll tell you what, being in the workplace, in the church, whatever the case may be, and I can think of even in the workplace, you know, I... um, Working on you know your a job is if your motivation in a job should be still should be God. You are first and foremost. If you're part of the church and and you you consider yourself a um, a, a Christian, your job as a Christian first and foremost is the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that means in your workplace as well. That you are a missionary. You are a missionary in your workplace, and that is your first and foremost priority. And, and, and Jesus is still first. Yes, it is important that you make money. Not make money so that you can 
be higher up on a status chain, but make money because you need to provide for your family. And some people make more than other people, and that is fine too. But as you do, you know, if you keep Jesus first and foremost in your life, and and you use the thing that things that God has given you in finances and the and what you've worked hard for, and you are blessing other people, and you are taking care of your family, and and you are doing those things, that is completely fine. That is good motivation. But when you are working sixty hours a week, seventy hours a week, and all this overtime, and you're neglecting your family and neglecting the church being involved and being a missionary in the church and, and you don't even say anything about your faith because you're worried about what something you know what people may say or what people may think of you, then we forgot that Jesus should be our motivation in every single thing we do. We are a missionary first. We provide for our fam we provide for ourselves and our family. And and yes. I think let him be Lord and let his lordship reign in our hearts. And that his love, the love of God, motivates us because he did the will of the Father. Everything he saw his Father do, he shared with us. Because he loved us. And that being motivated with the love of God for everything you do. When I worked at NCR Corporation, I'd come in, you know, we charge spiritually from Sunday and that, and there was a, a man that operated that stand-up forklift. And he was uh, oh, kind of a person that was into drugs and partying and stuff. And, then, and uh, I'd come in singing, you know, and praising the Lord. And what are you high on, man? That was the spiritual question I could answer. Jesus is what I was high on. Because happiness only comes from knowing the Lord and His love. And help and being a blessing to others, doing the will of the Father, just being for Jesus. Yeah. And, and and the Father, Father God shared with Jesus everything. In fact, Jesus said that in the Scripture about everything the Father has shared with me, I share with you. I see what the Father does, and I share it with you. And so, being motivated with His love, it makes a world of difference. It changes the. Lord, teach me every day what you would have me to know. Your truth. Show me each day. And that changes school heart knocks into the school of God every day. Yeah. You know, and just live motivated by His love. It makes your life so much fuller where it was, you know, emptier before. It's full because of being motivated that love of God. Being motivated by the right things. Does, does anybody, um, before we close, does anybody else have anything... Um, that uh, uh, that uh, you want to share? Or, yeah, I got uh, something I wanted to tell you guys about. I was watching. Uh, I I turn on every once in a while when I'm flipping around channels. So I'll watch some of the religious speakers or something. And there's uh, one thing that uh, was kind of profound. Um, the, the guy's a Christian. He's a missionary, and he goes down to South America. And he lives with this um, tribe of people that live down there on the Amazon in the rainforest and the jungle and all that. And uh, he lived with these people long enough to um, learn their language. And they're actually the only culture on the planet. They don't use numbers. Like if you ask the lady how many kids she has, she don't know. She don't need to know because she knows all their names and what they look like. 
it's got they got a different they don't live in the past or the present I mean or the future they live in the present they, they don't think about tomorrow or paying bills if they need a fish they just spear it out of the river they eat well this guy goes down there long lives long enough with them he learns their language their culture make long story short he ended up losing his faith over it um, he started figuring that as he got to know these um, um, people that um, they don't know God, they don't want to know God, they don't care about God, and they live just happy and fine the way they are, untouched by civilization, whatever they, you know, and which is good and fine for for those people, you know. But what was profound to me is how the guy could lose his his uh, his faith. Um, just like sounds like he shouldn't have been a missionary. Yeah, like like Tammy and Jim Baker when they the scandal years ago with the PTL all happened and some people quit the church and lost their faith because of what Tammy and Jim did. And I started to think, you know, if that's I shouldn't say it so lightly. If that's all it took to lose his faith. Maybe he never had it. I shouldn't make so light of that to, to say it like that. But then what was interesting, because I always thought that, like, what I've learned about God is more of what I've learned from my guts and my feelings from when my parents died at an early age. So I don't, you know, only believe, but I feel, too. And so I was talking to another friend of mine who goes to a church in Maple Valley and talking to him that it's not enough just to go and and go through all the motions and say you're a good Christian, you know, God's deeper than that. He wants you to feel it, too. I, I told Sean how, you know, you're taller than me, but I could take the Bible, I could stand on it, and now I'm taller than you. <laughs> but if you take it wrongly, then you're going to say I disrespected the Bible. But if you look at it the other way, I just use the Bible as a tool. And that's what the Bible is. It's a tool. Don't be so literally. That's why I told Mike when he started. Sometimes you want to pre preach from the hip. You know, how, how do we... Sure, you can read out of a book. Anybody can. But how do you feel? You know? And um, what was really interesting about it, then the next day, I was flipping around, and there's an Oriental guy. And I don't know if he's a Christian or what. He's, he comes out and says he's not trying to change anybody's religion. But he was talking about to feel more and uh, the whole thing I was thinking about he was talking about and it was just weird how two nights in a row that so it just goes to show you when you least expect it God will zing you with something and teach you yeah. give me confirmation that that's what I taught you and that's really what I wanted you to learn yeah, yeah. <laughs> here it is again the yeah. next night <laughs> just to make sure you got it you almost got it knucklehead now just keep with it because <laughs> nobody, nobody's got the whole Thing down, nor are we supposed to. We're not supposed to understand everything. When doesn't that seem to everybody that be too easy? Wouldn't that be just too easy to walk through? Oh, I know everything in life. I don't need nothing. I don't. I mean, that's a boring way to live. There's no challenges. And, and uh, you know, and that's you know how we open the night is, uh, you know, yes, you know, we 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 have all been in the spot when we're talking about boundaries, where we have struggled with the yeses and the noes and things have gotten out of control um, but uh, just like anything you know this, everything that we talked about is out of God's word in these laws yes there are laws that were written in a 
in a book and, it, and it's a, a simplistic way of trying to take biblical truths and put it in um, a, a, a series called Boundaries. But these things are very practical to our faith and to our lives um, just like tools. And, you know, just like I, I said in that first hike was pretty miserable for me. Second time I did the hike, it was a lot better. And in the same way for all of us, as we put, as, as we start to put these tools and implement in our lives, as we start to understand reaping and sowing, and we understand uh, the being responsible and taking power over the things that we feel are powerless in our lives, and we we give respect and we get respect back, and we have the right motivation in in Jesus, then. You know, we those are some of the tools that we can apply in our lives to to uh, uh, get control of our lives and put the proper boundaries in place. And it's amazing when you do. Boundaries aren't necessarily something that's a black and white regiment thing. Do this, 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 and this, and it's all going to work out. But as we implement these things in our life, and we we struggle with some of them, and some of them come easier. But as we start to implement some of these things, just try it. Try it. See what happens. Because as you do this, and, and you do set proper boundaries in your life, and with people around the other people around you, you 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 will start to notice changes, and you you'll probably uh, it, it may be a little bit of a struggle at first, but uh, you may you know have a little less gray hair and sleep longer at night and not cry as much you know yourself to sleep. So um, live in the light. Yeah. So I'll I'll uh, close this in prayer. Jesus, I. Uh, Again, I just, I just pray as we uh, uh, dive deeper into, uh, into your word, dive deeper into this uh, setting boundaries in our life, Lord. I pray that we are able to take these, these five tools uh, tonight, Lord, and uh, uh, implement those in our lives uh, so that uh, we can be um, pr- productive missionaries of the gospel. Uh, Lord, our motivation is in you, uh, needs to be in you. And uh, let it be the center focus of our lives and, and in the relationships that we have in our families and our friends and, and other people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Oh.